They gave me a clicker. My wife will tell you that's dangerous. I'm going to try to watch three shows at the same time and it'll always end up on ESPN. That's kind of the way, that's kind of the way this is going to work here together. Friends, as we move into this time of proclamation, let me just take a moment of personal privilege to thank you as a congregation for the warm, very warm welcome that we have received. The work that has gone into the parsonage, uh, thank you to Gene Freed and the trustees and Danny for, for making that house feel like a home. We invite you to come by any time to um, check in and see the work that they've done. But most of all, we want you to know that, that it's your home too. And we want you to feel comfortable there and welcome there any time. We, we hope you'll take us up on that offer and just stop by. You don't need to call. We're not call-ahead kind of people. You just come on by and knock on the door and whatever we got on the stove, we'll share with you. I'm not much of a cook, but uh, it's all right. Um, we have two boys, and you're glad they're not in here right now because... Uh, <laughs> Because they'd be stealing the show. But uh, they are wonderful uh, two, young, uh, two young men that, we, that God has uh, blessed us with. Casey John Nelson was born on June 6th of 2006. 666. That's right. I know. I know. There's only been a couple of nights we thought he was actually possessed. You know, We're like, demon, whatever's in this boy, come out. Um, Samuel Aaron Nelson was born on May 25th at the um, lightweight of 11 pounds, 12 ounces, right? Something like that, 11, 11, 11, 11. He was born three weeks early, thank you, Jesus, right? Uh, the Lions have already given us a call and see if he could start at uh, um, offensive tackle this, this, this next season. Uh, Sam was born three weeks early, so he was supposed to be born on June the 13th, which would have been a Friday, right? So your new pastor was going to have a 666 baby and a Friday the 13th baby. I don't know if the Lord's trying to speak to me or what, but uh, you can tell he's, uh, he's got a sense of humor when it comes to working with the Nelsons. We thank you, congregation, for your welcome. And we hope that we only live up to the, uh, to the graciousness and the hospitality that you, have, that you have shown us. Maryland's got the best potato salad in the world. We want some more. It's gone. Bring, bring some more. So um, we just thank you for your graciousness and your welcome. Our uh, scripture this morning, see if I can get this to work right. All right. Our scripture this morning comes from uh, the book of Acts, second chapter. Hear these words of God for us this morning. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And when all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them, now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard them speaking in his own language, utterly amazed. They asked, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Perithians and Medes and Elamatites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Egypt and the other parts of Liberia near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in their own languages. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, What does this mean? Will you pray with me? 
Gracious God, we simply ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be measured and found acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Redford Aldersgate. As we begin this new chapter of life together, I want to begin with a question. What table are we eating at anyways? What table are we eating at anyways? Because you see today, we're going to come to this table. And how we answer that question, I believe, will ultimately determine just about everything else we're ever able to do together. So let me ask you again, what table are we eating at anyways? Wow, this is a good congregation here. <laughs> because you, you see, I'm afraid that for too many Christians and for too many churches, this table is a funeral table. That this table is only a memorial table. That this table is trapped in events that long since took place and never will happen again. You see, if we come to this table only as a funeral table, then all we'll remember about it is the tragic events around Jesus' death. And if we come to it as a funeral table, we'll come to it as if we're at a funeral. We'll sing a few sad songs. We'll cry a few sentimental tears. We'll get in line to pay our last respects. All the words that we share around this table will be a eulogy to a good guy done way too soon. Oh, Jesus, we hardly knew you. You see, if this is only a funeral table, we'll get in line and pay those last respects. Then we'll go out to the parlor. We'll have some punch and some cookies. We'll give each other a few hugs, we'll share a few stories, and then we'll get back into our cars in the parking lot and we'll leave this place the exact same as when we walked in. Because you see, if this is a funeral table, then it's a dead table. And the faith it proclaims is a dead faith. So let me ask you again, what kind of table are we eating at anyways? Is it going to be a funeral table? Or will it be the table animated by the text that we've read this morning? Will it be the Pentecost table? Alright, I heard somebody out there scratching their head. Did he just say Pentecost? Somebody tell me he knows it's not Pentecost. What kind of, what kind of preacher did they send us anyway, right? What's it gonna be next week, Pastor? Christmas hymns? In fact, when I uh, told Kelly a couple weeks ago that I was going to be using the Pentecost text today, she looked me right in the eye and said, Pastor Jeff, you know it isn't Pentecost, don't you? (laughs) Friends, for the church of Jesus Christ, every day is Pentecost. Because Pentecost is that story about God's Spirit present among us. And if God's Spirit is present among us, then God is still alive. And then this table is alive and the faith that we proclaim around it is alive story, the place, Baghdad, the country, Iraq. I'm there between the wars. I'm there to bring food and medicine. I'm there to deliver school supplies and toys to children. I'm really there because a group of Christians tried to figure out what it meant when they read, when Jesus said, go love your enemies. While I was there, I met two boys 
The two boys in the blue sweatshirts. Their names are Romy and Walid. They were the shoe shine boys who shined the shoes outside of Baghdad's finest one-star hotel. Very fine accommodations. Friends, I've never paid to have my shoes shine before, and I've never paid to have them shine since. But in the two weeks that I was there, these boys shined my shoes five and six times a day. They picked out the easy guy right away, didn't they? They even shined my high-top sneakers once in a while. I became friends with these boys. And as my time with them began to come to an end, I was invited by them to go to dinner in their home where I would be the guest of honor. They brought me to their one-room apartment. It wasn't any bigger than the chancel area of this sanctuary. We sat there together on the floor, these two boys and their mom, their dad killed during the first Gulf War. And we sat there and there were little bowls of rice and lentils on the floor and there was this big basket of pita bread. And when this Iraqi mom reached into that basket, pulled out one of those pieces of bread and she tore it in half and handed it to me, it dawned on me. I was about to have Holy Communion. No church, no liturgy, no prayers, no hymns, no candles, no doubt. Holy Communion. How is that possible? Because of the Spirit of Pentecost. Story. The city, Nogales. The country, Mexico. The city positioned right on that line we call the national border. I'm there this time because a group of high school students read their Scripture and it said, go out into all the world and make disciples of all the nations. And then they turned to their youth pastor and said, if that's true, how can we never leave home? (laughs) You know, the years that I was a youth pastor, people always said, you must be saving souls. I tell you, those young people saved my soul every time that I met with them. Because they made sure that if the Word said it, we were going to do it. So here we are, and I'm in the home of Rosa and Miguel and their six children. They live in a two-bedroom shack uh, that you see here. We're there to have dinner and then spend the night. All, all eight of them are going to spend the evening in one room to make room for the four of us, the two adults and the two students from my group who will be staying there. They serve us this amazing meal. And then when the supper was over, I sat with that Mexican mother and father and I watched in the other room as the two American teenagers taught those six kids, and I swear to you, at least 15 or 20 kids from the whole neighborhood, every dance moved to Michael Jackson's Thriller. (laughs) And that's when it dawned on me. I had just had Holy Communion. No church. No liturgy, no prayers, no hymns, no candles. Holy communion, no doubt. And how is that possible? Because of the spirit of Pentecost. Story. The city is Beverly. The state is the Appalachian corner of Kentucky. I'm there because Jesus said He'd be there. Because He said whenever you're hungry... And whenever somebody needs shelter and you go and do it for the least of my brothers or sisters, you've done it for me. We're there in the front yard of Miss Opal Jackson's house. We're there to patch her roof. We're there to lend a hand. We're there to expand our hearts. And on one afternoon, around her picnic table, 
with ham sandwiches and Chips Ahoy chocolate cookies and lemonade. This 78-year-old mother of eight and with more grandchildren than she could count and friends, oh, I wish you could see her face. It's wrinkled and worn. Tells the story of a life of hard living. She turned to this group of Michigan teenagers and she said to them through the thickest Kentucky accent I've ever heard, she said, you all good kids. I'd claim every one of you. From now on, you're my grandchildren. And then it dawned on me that around that picnic table with those ham sandwiches and those chocolate chip cookies and that lemonade, I had just had Holy Communion. There was no church, no liturgy, no prayers, no hymns, no candles, no doubt. Holy Communion. And how is that possible? Because of the Spirit of Pentecost. Y'all remember the story, don't you? I mean, the disciples had just gotten used to Jesus being back around. The resurrected Jesus kept popping up in the least expected places and they finally figured it they could relax. They were getting out their WWJD bracelets again and wearing their crosses and putting the little fish on the bumper of their car. They, they thought things were going to get back to normal and as soon as it did, boom, he was gone. Just like that. Disappeared up into the clouds without a word to say. The disciples stood there staring up at the clouds. Again, the story was over. It was finished. Kaput. Their best days behind them. And what do you do in a moment like that? You go to an upper room. You lock the door. And you pray for no more surprises. And that's where the disciples were when it happened. You see, the wind started to shake the windows of that upper room and blew them wide open. And friends, I'm not talking about a gentle breeze here. It was as if a hurricane had been unleashed on the whole living room. And then one by one, little flames started to pop up on people's heads. It was as if the whole room was filled with people who were on fire for the Lord. And then over here, somebody started speaking Spanish. Then over here, somebody started speaking French. And from the back of the room, somebody started speaking German. And somebody over here started speaking Swahili. Before you knew it, it was as if the whole uh, foreign language department of the University of Michigan had exploded on the place. But here's the real miracle. Everybody could understand everybody else. You see, the miracle wasn't of tongues. It was a miracle of the ear. God gave them the ability to understand despite the differences and the separations of which they have found. Oh, church, let's be a church that experiences the miracle of hearing, the miracle of understanding. You know, the Pentecost story is an amazing story with hundreds of details. I mean, I could preach a hundred sermons about it. and I'm not going to do that today. (laughs) Richard Marshall's got me on the clock. That's right. But you know, all of the wind and all of the flame and all of the tongues all point to one undeniable central theme of that story that God is still here. Despite what it looked like, God was still here. Even when you think your best days are behind you, God is still here. In those moments when God takes off up into the clouds and He feels like He's nowhere to be found, Pentecost reminds us that God is still here. 
Friends, I come to Redford Aldersgate with this hope. That we will be a church alive with the Spirit. That we will be a church animated by God's presence. That we will go out from this place expecting that God will meet us at every table we sit at. Because you see, if God is still with us, then the Spirit is still alive. And then friends, so are we. Amen? Amen. I can't think of a message that this world needs to hear more now than that one. Because I don't need to tell you. These are difficult days in Southeast Michigan. Families are facing some, more, some of the hardest hardships they've faced in a generation. People out of work and fear of losing their work. And hope, hope is a commodity that is dwindling by the day. Friends, let us be the church that proclaims to the world that despite what it looks like, God is still here. In the midst of difficult job transitions, God is still here. When we lose our friends and we can't explain what has happened to them, let us remind the world that God is still here. In the midst of addiction and depression, God is still here. And even in the midst of pastoral changes and difficult pastoral situations, let me be the pastor on his first day promise you one thing, that God is still here in the midst of this change. And I don't know about you all, but that's the table I'm going to be eating at today. Is the table of God's present Spirit. And I'm going to invite you to come. And on this day of new beginnings for me and for this congregation, let us come to this table expecting to find God here. Amen? Amen. And then let's go out to the world and remind them that God is still with us.